0: Hello, and great that you're joining us on our podcast, Saving Tomorrow's Planet, where we search the world to speak to pioneering people taking action to save the planet. Do also check out our website of the same name, savingtomorrowsplanet.com. Now, have you ever thought about the electricity used to transport a lift up and down a building? Well, neither had I, really. But today that will change because I'm talking to Xavier Hué, Vice President, Sustainable Supply Chain, Global Supply Chain, Schneider Electric. Xavier is really inspiring because not only does he work for a company that is driving substantial reductions in the carbon emissions generated via heat and aircon through office blocks, houses and data centers, he also lives a sustainable life himself. Now, you know when you throw out a crazy line like, wouldn't it be amazing if we had an app that could control the heating and aircon just here where I'm sitting? Well, Xavier has an answer that surprised me too. So, let's hear where Xavier is and his story.
1: Yeah, hi. I'm based Paris. Yeah, I work with Schneider Electric, and uh, Schneider is a leader in uh, energy management and industry automation. So we make the world buildings and industries and data centers uh, efficient and, and electrified and decarbonized.
0: Great. Well, we're going to get onto that in a minute. It would be just nice to know how you got into the area of sustainability. What's your personal journey here?
1: I believe it goes back to childhood. When I was, uh, I grew up, Amidst nature in the eastern part of France, uh, close to Germany, I've been outside, you know, playing, you know, outdoor most of my childhood. And since then, I've been, you know, traveling the world in, you know, mountaineering and trekking. So I I discovered the beauty of nature and and it's also how fragile it was. I also saw the interconnection between all of us on the planet. So on the career side, after I would say 15 years in big four in consulting space, I wanted to align my career. To sustainability, so I pivoted 20 years ago to really bring business and sustainability uh, as one pillar of my career. So that's how somehow it started, and it was uh, it's been my career since then.
0: Great. I'm. I'm also a mountaineer and an adventurer. So take a second just to tell us some of the mountains or places you've been. It'd be rather nice just to hear.
1: Yeah. I've. I've trekked quite a number of times in the Himalayas. Uh, I. We have lived with my wife and kids in India many years, and we before, after, during our tenure in India, we've trekked many a times. I always. I also climbed in uh, Kilimanjaro, French Alps, also the Andes in South America. So I've. I've skied. In the high mountains of Bolivia, and I went up uh, some mountains there. So it's been uh, throughout my travel uh, quite important to see the wildlife in East Africa uh, and to, to go and crack these mountains. Uh, in the front of the
0: Good. Well, I have been also to Bolivia and, uh, and to the Himalayas, so that's the nice thing we share together. So as you look now from your career and you're looking from the, the lens of your business, etc. What do you see are actually the greatest opportunities to to reduce global warming? We talk a lot about the problems, but I'm focusing on this podcast on people solving things.
1: I I think many reports have laid down quite a number of solutions of global warming already. Let me pick up a few of them, which I think are super critical. For me, it's all about efficiency. Uh, We still have very inefficient processes, supply chains, homes, way of even consuming as individuals, so efficiency for me is the main driver. I think there's too much of everything and too much of waste in many things we, we do, with we transport. And if I can take examples, world buildings, in the buildings which are 40% of the world's CO2 emissions, many of our buildings have maybe 70-80% of inefficiencies in the way they use energy. So. There's a huge untapped reservoir of opportunities, grids, uh, electricity, water grids, 30-35% uh, of inefficiencies and leakage are, are you know, mm-hmm. measured, industries, and even in our personal life, I think the biggest opportunity reside in the way we consume, changing the way we ourselves, through our consciousness elevation as I, I may say, change the way we travel, we, we eat, I think the food diet can be a good and fantastic level for decarbonization as a vegetarian for more than 15 years. Hmm. I see the, the value it brings to many a things, the climate, but many other things, animal welfare uh, and also personal health. And what I see youngsters doing, exploring new ways of working, I think it makes me optimistic that maybe those solutions will come to a bigger scale.
0: Great. So if we go back to buildings, now is a good chance to tell us specifically what your company does with regard hmm. to buildings.
1: If I start with legacy, so most of the buildings of the world, in a given year, there's only 1 or 2% of the assets which are revamped. So there's a huge opportunity in revamping or modernizing buildings. So what we do, we come up with building management systems, so software, to manage a building so lighting system, ventilation and air conditioning, access control, temperature, whatever. And with that kind of intelligence, which we do provide with connectors and sensors and meters and circuit breakers and, and speed drives, we can certainly at you know at the first day understand how we can save energy, how we can make the experience of the occupants better, and how we can save carbon. So that's certainly a, a key contribution of our company, which is encompass or to connect all these objects. Another way for us to advise and make building more efficient is through technologies like super-efficient variable speed drives, which makes the HVAC system, elevators, pumps, mm. motors, anything much more energy efficient, we can gain 25 to 30, 40% energy efficiency by adding those equipment at the back of the of the motor of the engine. And maybe the last thing where we see a lot of uh, potential is by connecting objects you know, through IoT, Because we know at any point of time how is this device operating, how this asset can be made more efficient, we can have a real-time advisor, which we have in the company. We have real-time software. We can tell the building maintenance company, the facility manager, what exactly should be done to maintain those assets at the best performing stage ever. So that's certainly ways and means for, for technology to make those buildings more efficient.
0: You know, I've never thought about lifts as a source of huge energy consumption, I guess. So thank you. That's already a big insight. And I do encourage people to go up the stairs, I have to say, but I've never thought about it. As more from a fitness point of view, less from an energy. So you've opened my eyes. So if we were to look at a legacy building, let's call it a commercial building, yeah. what would be the relative sources of energy use then? now that we've understood that lifts are sitting there using a lot just to get a scale of the, the different sources of energy use?
1: Not By far, number one, across latitude is heating or cooling, which makes 40 to 60% mm. of the energy use of the building. I'm talking about commercial, as you yeah. asked. Then we would be having lighting, and then other usage can be some uh, other devices in the, in the building, but certainly heating and cooling are number one by far. So, anything which can make those systems just right-sized and just producing the heat or the the chill the air at the right uh, quantity and at the right places where people are o- occupying the building, you know, this is where we can seize the energy efficiency opportunities.
0: And, of course, what you're talking about is saving money for companies who are renting. So, this is actually a money-saving initiative, it sounds like you're presenting, because waste heat is waste money.
1: Of course. And certainly the payback of those revamps or refurbishments of buildings is certainly decarbonisation, but also it's money. And whenever we go and meet those building owners or tenants, of course money is part of the conversation and we need to prove that it's good for climate and good for the bottom line at the same time. And usually it works. Payback can be six months for the most promising transformations, to 24 to 36 months at the longest. Uh, but again, as you rightly said, you know, our customers don't throw money without checking that the NPV net, you know, present value of the ROI of those investments are making sense for them. From
0: what I can see, you're now very focused and explicitly focused on the sustainability of buildings as your sort of entry point into the debate. True.
1: Uh, buildings are certainly one uh, key, uh, key asset we serve. The other one is data centers. Schneider oh, is the world leader geez. in making data centers. So all, all web giants data centers uh, may have our technologies, and we are touching at least one out of two uh, data centers. Industries, factories, where we have more than 7 billion euro turnover every year, and grids. But back to the question on buildings. It's true this company is been, over the last 30 years has been acquiring a lot of companies around the globe, which provide a, a, somehow a full portfolio of low-voltage, medium-voltage, secure power, you know, electrical distribution, software uh, solutions, which today make us as a one-stop shop for making any building uh, ensuring the safe, secure, and sustainable uh, energy sources. We also are good in terms of leading also the space of energy as a service, where for, for buildings we can have a, a, a mini-grid, in North America, where we have an offer with alpha structure and green structure where we make our customers enjoy the service without buying the assets. So we bundle software hardware services consulting and the customer only pays for the kilowatt hour, which they, they consume from us. So it's a full range from the hardware uh, they can buy from the shelf of the retailer or for an electrician. To the full suite of a service
0: solution range. I'm actually going to change direction a little bit because you've mentioned data centers, and I had missed that. Now, data centers for me are this hidden, exploding, dynamic. In the sense that, for example, just the amount of ph- photographs we're all taking, nobody's talking about the huge data centers. I believe must be having to be built simply to house the video and, and photos of Instagram and so on. So let's actually talk about data centers. What What is the world of data centers and, and what's the energy story there?
1: Yeah, a uh, the data center is very much an energy hub. It's a, it's a hub in a grid, so it needs megawatts of power, installed power capacity, and it produces, it helps server uh, servers uh, computing our data. So it's really an energy hub and the way we make those data centers sustainable is first and we have a number of them which are carbon neutral or even carbon positive. I will share you how. So we work for companies which are either hyperscale data centers, the web giants, or co-location companies which host servers of different companies. And either way, we have architect discussions with them to make, in the first place, the design of those data centers, zero carbon. So sourcing renewable electricity. So let me take the Swedish example of Eco Data Center. Eco Data Center is the world, it is the European leader in co in data center. So they have renewable electricity coming in, full equipment of the OT uh, operation technology by Schneider Electric doing the energy uh, supply, electrical distribution. And they also have waste heat recovery, and the waste heat from the mm-hmm. service which they recover help substitute fossil heat to the neighboring city, mm-hmm. the neighboring pellet, wood pellet manufacturer. So, all in all, they have zero carbon electricity coming in. They can even replace fossil heat from others. So the power usage effectiveness, the PUE, of the, the way they use energy in to make those servers run is, is maximum. So therefore, all in all, we make that data center a carbon positive, meaning it stops carbon from the atmosphere more than it takes, and that allows that customer to attract leading companies like BMW, H&M, who opt for eco data center customer because of that claim of carbon positivity. So that's a chain of a virtuous chain of uh, custody or domino effect down to the end consumer who wants their electrons or their megabytes not to be causing uh, climate change.
0: You said it's carbon positive. Now I understood absolutely you're getting renewable energy probably from water supply hydroelectric, it's going in, it heats the heat is taken and used to support a factory or a house. Where does the positive element come in? Because I could imagine neutral but positive.
1: Before this data center was in the city in Sweden, Falun, the city heating system was using fossil fuel. Mm. And the neighboring wood pellet factory was using fossil fuel. So instead of that fossil fuel, which was emitting carbon to the atmosphere, yeah. they replaced that heat by fully zero carbon heat. Mm. So that's how the positive comes in. So it's not really there as an operational Fully recycled renewable, sorry. They can even replace, reduce, make the situation, the baseline situation, better than the baseline solution. Did
0: the data center contribute to the sourcing of the hydropower that wasn't there before, if it was a fossil fuel before? Was that part of the construction?
1: The hydropower, no. So it's true that it was not an additional contribution specifically for this data center but they are also using WINT, which is uh, like a power purchase agreement, which is additional and based on their commitment.
0: So as you look worldwide at data centers, because I did hear once a program that cryptocurrency miners are, have been building in Iceland because they need to, to cool and they can literally open the windows apparently and the wind can literally blow through, I don't know if it's true or not, but nonetheless apparently there's quite a lot of crypto mining centers in Iceland. Are you seeing a good distribution of data centers in locations where they can leverage um, a model like you've just described versus places where they literally just have to use it? Is there a move that way that you're observing?
1: I've seen a number of our clients moving up north in the Nordics. I think of a center whose cooling system is entirely through a lake, whose temperature is throughout the year very cold, and therefore, you know, they just enjoy that natural cooling mechanism we also have underground even underwater data centers which start to merge wow. so yes more and more to make it short we, we see more and more data centers using the, the nature's bountiful cold atmospheres or ambiences around the globe
0: if we just go then to the next group which is actually residential so i can imagine a big office block saying right we're going to invest because the numbers are big and we're, we're into the mode of investment and looking at return just tell us what's happening in the residential space in the same way because i guess there's you know, millions and millions of houses and flats, huge amount of waste, but less sophistication. Where, what's the, the image you see there and the story there?
1: So, you know, great question as well. So, we, like I, I said earlier about the building management system for big commercial uh, offices and buildings, we have likewise a small version of that, which is called WISER, W I S E R, and that WISER solution can be implemented in, into any house. So, for instance, in Europe, we have more than 30,000 homes equipped with standard electric wiser, and that wiser technology, when you connect your heating systems, your water boiler, your electrical socket, you can have a a real-time set of nudges or information, or even commands and controls, onto your home systems to make your bill lighter. And besides the bill, it's also the carbon emission which can be tweaked, and also the of course the user comfort, the habitants comfort. So in a typical home, what we've been measuring was that in Europe it's mostly heating, twelve percent hot water boiler and nineteen percent electrical pocket which makes approximately ninety-five percent of some remaining consumption. So with those systems whose payback is usually between two and three years. We see a lot of increasingly positive feedbacks of consumers, households who want to be leading the way they consume electricity, make the family members be more conscious about their consumptions, be prosumers, meaning really proactive consumers about the way they are just uh, they were changing the way they were consuming electricity or energy in their homes. So to make it short, we see an increasing uh, adoption of those technologies.
0: Where do you see now the industry, in, in the view that you've had, actually building you know, from scratch with these technologies built into residential? Let's start with residential, just because we're on that.
1: It's true. We work with the Arab this world, the Icons, the Rambles, who are maybe those companies architecting, yeah. designing our future, you know, built environment they really are very strong and willing to adopt those sustainability input dimensions into the design of a number of their buildings in the residential market in some parts of the market it's still a very cost driven market where yeah. even technology adoption is very minimal but there are some growing portion of that residential market where more and more consumers want to first they understand the cost and the CO2 impact of that part of their of their homes and they want to themselves adopt it. In the design stage, of course, cater to, to that market, those companies are, are well embracing those technologies in the new design. If we look at
0: technology, this is a key component of this story and I'm sure that you are a company that for whom technology is very very important. What's the journey of the last couple of years or five years in technology you've seen and, and therefore what does the next five years from a technology point of view in this area of energy control and efficiency within buildings of all types?
1: Clearly, we see not a move from hardware to software, but a fast acceleration of software. So hardware have been there for decades, you know, the circuit breakers, the controls, the local systems control. But now we see a fast acceleration of, of software. We have acquired in the last five years more than maybe 15 billion euro companies. Of value in the software for industry, software for building, design, operations. So, software is big, so that's certainly one. Connected object is also a big thing. Now, most of our new products are connectable. Many of them are connected to our cloud or to our installer's cloud. So, that's another trend. We see more and more of these objects in real time be able to be controlled, commanded for efficiency. And third, maybe the, the apps. You know, we, we've come very far to make our technology so much more easy to understand by electricians, installers, panel builders, architects, and end-users which can, on their smartphone, access much more open information. Even our services engineers, there are 10,000 of them in the world. Whenever they do interventions, they have enjoyed super advanced technologies for To avoid interventions, physical, you know, they can use 3D, augmented reality, virtual reality. It's good for their safety. It's good for the ability for them to diagnose and to make the most of those technologies. So that's what we've been saying. If you look ahead, we believe analytics, artificial intelligence, so data mining. Mm -hmm. We have billions of data points. We believe there's still a way to go before we master the ability to hold so many information pieces for the benefit of uh, you know, optimal efficiency and user experience. So that, the next
0: journey is going to be data. I, obviously as a CEO, overseen not only the buildings that my employees have been in, but also moved into buildings and wanted to have it right designed from the scratch. And I, I do remember a very annoying situation where because of the, the aircon construction, we had various people feeling cold or hot and there was a sort of very manual intervention. But just as you're talking, I've been thinking about the number of times we've had empty parts of offices, no change in the energy when the office was full or empty. Are you implying there that, you know, through AI and through the systems you're putting in, you can have zonal adaption, you know, to respond to who's actually in the space and therefore needs to be heated or chilled?
1: No, that's very true. That's exactly the direction we are in. We have uh, in the building space, we have a a solution called the Workplace Advisor, which exactly do what you are referring to, which Tracks any floor, and from my desk here, I, as the leader of real estate for the supply chain, I can track each of our buildings globally and know for each floor uh, metrics such as occupation, temperature, heat. We can understand where we may have uh, some efficiencies. It can be done automatically to our routine or locally by facility management leaders. And also, it helps us make the right decision to say, right size an office, yeah. or to say, oh, this part of the floor is never used, this meeting room is never used. How can we do to have more granular ability to blow fresh air and not to the entire floor, same for lighting? So that's where we are. Then sometimes the limit is to have in the building itself, the the blowers, the chillers, Mm -hmm. the the lights, and whatever devices, physical this time, which can make that granular tracking a reality. Uh, But directionally, yes, that's exactly where we are.
0: Uh, just to push this, just for my, my curiosity, you know, what we've seen is that some of the apps on Apple and Samsung, and I'm using some of the health apps, are giving to me a set of data about my heart, for example, and the weather that I wasn't particularly that concerned about. Is there anybody developing an app for each individual employee so that actually they can, it will be measuring their temperature and, or the temperature around them and somehow connecting it? I mean, do you see how employees could actually contribute to asking for temperatures to be reduced so that less heat is used.
1: Uh, no, exactly. And actually we are we are having such app for buildings occupants. So as much as I was talking so much so far on the building, software, whatever, we also have an app for an occupant. So like me today in the headquarters in Paris. I can have on my app uh, in the morning, I can book a room, I can know uh, where and I can have access to the, the building data. Which means can be occupant, fuel lighting, whatever temperature, which I can also myself track and control. So that's, as you said, empowering the occupant. The promise we have on building owners or tenants is to make the building more efficient, but the experience of the users more more pleasant, especially after this COVID crisis, will experience the workplace in a different manner. So we need to ensure the employee can choose from a location or the other and enjoy an experience which is bespoke and customized. Well, that,
0: I have to say, I thought that was something I was imagining, but as so often with technology, what we imagine is already becoming real. Certainly. If you had a wand, either a wand that you were going to use in your business or a wand that you were going to use in your broader life to really make a difference in the next few years, couple of years, not in the next 10 years, next few years to the challenge of global warming. What would you want that magical wand to enable you to be able to do if you could
1: Maybe the words I would be using would be consciousness and transparency. I think we have a huge opportunity, should we have our collective and liberal consciousness consciousness race through the youngsters and what they shout in the streets. I think we are all infused and impacted by the way the next generation are clearly understanding the the, the challenges we have on climate and the, the needed changes we have to make on on many other habits. So. So anything about making myself and every one of us understand the quantified impact of our decisions on my smartphone, on whatever I do, for me is the direction which uh, Magic One for me would possibly help combat climate change faster than many other initiatives.
0: Navier, that's been absolutely fascinating. I was not aware that the technology was moving so fast and things that seem like dreams are actually happening. Thank you very much for that.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.